0: Stop! You violated the law. It's the full preview podcast. USC two ninety three. What's up, guys? Let's do this. This is the full preview. I'm your boy Feño from the Fight Side. And this is the full preview for UFC 293, live from the land down under, Australia. We have Israel Adesanya defending his middleweight title in like a bit of a filler title defense against Trigland. And I'm gonna be honest, guys, I've been defending a lot of these pay-per-views, uh, mostly, and I, I've been clarifying because I don't pay uh, full price for them uh, here in Chile. I, I've i said many many times. Uh, I just pay a little extra for, pi- for fight fightpads and I guess all pay per view So a lot of the more mediocre pay-per-views seem fine to me. I know... I know I would be probably pirating the shit out of them if I were paying like full American price for them. But this one, this one is... this one is rough, man. This one is not very good. I mean, it has a few... It has a, a good... F- it has some good fights, but... Uh, very lacking, and uh, not only in the star power, but in relevant fights to the divisions. Uh, we will get into that. But but yeah, I mean, not a great pay-per-view that the headliner is weak. When you have, I feel like when you have a a filler title defense, like, uh let's get the, the champ busy. You know what, likes to to keep busy, and this is this is Australia. This is where he fights. Uh, you get to you get to fill the card with with power. You know, with star power. And uh, the guys from Australia that are fighting here, not the greatest, to be honest, uh, huge omission of Jack Della Madalena. So we have no, no Jack Della, no Bolkanovsky, And we have a bunch of City Kickboxing guys. I like a lot of them, but, but yeah, only one fight between ranked fighters, other than the main event, that's the co-main and it's heavyweight. I won't be complaining too much about that one because I think I like that fight. But yeah, let's just get into the fights. Let's get going. And the first fight is contested at Welterweight. It's Kevin Jusset versus Kiefer Crosby. Giusset is a tall stand striker fighting out of City Kickboxing. The first one of many that we will have this night. Uh, he's ranky, but a bit on the stiff and the slow side. He's mostly about the jab left hook change up. And the rear kick, mostly to the legs. He does a good job of staying on the face of his opponents and maintains decent volume. That is complemented by feints and combinations. Uh, he likes a lot of hand fighting to set up the hands. Uh, he has a good variety of kicks and he has the ability to switch dances uh, that gives him options and help him not getting too predictable. The thing with said is that he throws basically everything at the same tempo, and his defense relies mostly on keeping the high guard on the right side, and either slipping to his right or leaning back, a bit of shoulder rolling, and he has a tendency to keep his left hand low in the pocket, and that can get him tagged, but uh, allows him, that allows him, that low hand allows him to check foes with the left hook, uh, when he's put completely on the defensive he can use a mix of an active guard and uh, head movement and he's actually very good at that but that comes at the cost of his counters he's decently strong in the clinch but not really an active striker there that was a bit surprising i but not not that much really when i, I start to think about city kickboxing guys and um, he has shown to have a decent top control and a basic level of skill in the grappling department, but his actual level there, there remains a question mark, just because of the level of his opposition. Kiefer Crosby is a Bellator veteran, uh, an FDG fighter. Uh, Crosby alternates between... it's, it's interesting because uh, Crosby alternates between like a front foot heavy stance, like to close distance with the jab, the rear straight, shifting entries, and then when he sits back, he uh, adopts more uh, of a light lead like upright stance uh, between quotation marks and Muay Thai stance. And he uses that to, to check kicks, keep distance with the tip. Uh, I'm not completely against that, that the change of stance. I think it's, it's interesting what he has going on there. He also alternates between being like super aggressive and like sitting back and just letting the, the fight go. Uh, so a lot of dualities with Crosby, he's well-rounded and he's competent everywhere. He can put his hands together when in combination, and that might have improved because he just took an exhibition boxing fight not long ago. Uh, in fact, uh, his last fight was that exhibition boxing match. Uh, he's decently strong in the clinch, but not much of an offensive wrestler. The grappling for top position is a strong point, uh, sadly because the wrestling is not that good. Uh, he has solid positioning, solid fundamentals, as you know, guys from SBG, that's their strong suit, despite <laughs> the popularity that Connor gave them. Uh, the ground and pound and conditioning and the toughness too are his best attributes. Uh, health movement and defense overall have been consistently been a, a major flaw for him. Uh, if they improve that after the boxing camp, is yet to be seen. So this is a fight between newcomers that poses a lot of questions. Uh, Crosby comes as the most experienced fighter, having fought a higher level of, of opposition, while Giuseppe comes as the larger and younger fighter. Crosby probably has like a speed advantage and is the more flexible fighter of the two, but I feel like Jusset has a better idea of what he wants to do and how to enforce it. Uh, neither guy is particularly a big hitter, um, both guys have shown to be tough with good chins, but I think Giuseppe has a better process despite probably not being the most well-rounded of the two and, and the thing that I'm sure is that he has better striking fundamentals, uh, unless the, the boxing camp may made some wonders for Crosby. But yeah, I think those qualities are what will allow set to, to have the edge on the rounds, so my pick is set by decision. Next up is a featherweight bout between Shane Young and Gabriel Miranda. Young, also from City Kickboxing, the second one that we'll see. Uh, Young likes to steadily move forward behind, like a floaty jab, you know, with the uh, with the left hand. Like apart from his body, he also had has strong leg kicks. He's des- decent at moving sideways and puts combination together when he finds his opponent. He's also good at drawing up attacks to counter, especially with his right hand. He has a decent fierce layer of head movement and his defense is solid when he has the initiative but he can stay stationary when putting combos together, especially when pursuing opponents and when he's pushed back. Uh, Shawn is composed and conditioned, uh, he looks to find answers to, the, to his opponent's defensive reactions but he himself can be set up as he doesn't offer much variance, especially with his rhythm and the tempo. So he's a bit like... he's like steady and always on time and that can make him a bit predictable, especially with his entries. Uh, Chen Jong will look to mix uh, level changes, but he's not a very imposing wrestler. As a grappler, he looks competent, but not much has been seen in a long time against good level of opposition. And against him, we have Gabriel Miranda a scramby grappler with a, an aggressive stand-up game fighting out of MMA Masters, the Kobe the Covington camp, uh, former uh, Ricardo Lama's camp as well. Miranda is usually looking to close distance at range feinting. Uh, he's kicking hard uh, to move forwards or he, or he's throwing like loopy punches to get to clinch scenarios. Not much on the way of craft to his kickboxing, but he's scrappy and packs decent power Most importantly, he will always look to surprise with his clinch transitions and he's pretty good at finding the body lock and finishing trips, blocking the legs, he's solid from top position but does most of his best work during transitions, uh, using scrambles to fight strikes or go for submission attempts that he will pursue relentlessly, uh, be it from his back, uh, the back take or the front headlock game, he will constantly attack submissions and adjust and transition until something works. He can get tired with his high pace and he depends a lot on dynamism to make his wrestling and takedown game work. In this fight, Miranda will probably be very dangerous early, I think, as he starts hot, hot and fast, and Young likes to take his time to get going, make reads and, uh, and the such. This fight offers interesting, is interesting questions as Young has been facing fellow strikers, mostly. Uh, actually, his only time losing via grappling in the UFC came against current champion and now teammate Alexander Volkanovski, and he survived to a decision and, so- and showed solid uh, takedown defense against a very good athlete in Volkanovski, so that's something to watch out for. Uh, but you know Miranda will be pushing for takedowns all night long. Uh, it might get scary for Young Early, but despite the current losing streak, he's on a three losing streak, Um I expect him to be like sturdy enough to take down, survive an early scare or two and come back to get a victory on the scorecard so my pick is chain Young by decision. Next we go back to welterweight we have Blood Diamond Mike Matheta against Charlie Radke. Blood Diamond, the third city kickboxing guy that we will have, a very awkward kickboxer with, with professional experience in the kickboxing world. He fights at seemingly no rhythm mixing awkward feints and fakes that make him unpredictable Uh, this allows him to throw big strikes with no setup he's always looking for kicks during breaks on all three levels and his flexibility allows him to throw from very weird weird positions and broken stances he has a fondness to sneak uh, the kicks after striking from the same side especially with very sneaky high, high kicks so watch out for that Uh, His physical strength and decent clinch game give him a solid first layer of takedown defense, but Shea Wrestling has been a weakness for him in the UFC. Other than the defensive wrestling, he has had trouble staying out of the clinch. He's, like, solid in the clinch, but he doesn't really, like, push forward to, like, get back in open space. Um, He also ends up in the clinch a lot because he tends to swarm from way too close. And despite being a decent... Uh, decent at pommeling, He just tends to like accept clinch positions. The, cord- the cardio is also suspect for broad Diamond, especially when he's forced to grapple, so watch out for that. And on the other hand we have the newcomer, Radke here, decently athletic and a strong, and a strong well-rounder. Uh, he fights out of MMA masters, just like Miranda in the fight before. Uh, Radke is mostly a boxer on the feet fights at a moderate pace behind the jab, looking to put the 1-2 together or draw an attack, Sleep and come back with the 2-3, three, the 3-2, three, you know the deal. Other than the fierce layer of head movement, his defense is like nothing to write home about. He's a solid wrestler and grabber, both offensively and defensively, uh, but he can struggle with transitions and he can get surprised with clinches and takedown attempts when he's trying to pressure. And lacks the setups to initiate those areas himself, so not a lot of like good clinch or take them entries for Radke. But his athleticism uh, allows him to compete well in those areas, even when he's caught off guard. I think this fight mostly comes down to the ability of Plot Diamond to keep it on the feet. Uh, kind of obvious. Uh, Radke presents similar challenges to what Koshe did in the last fight against Blood Diamond, uh, because Blood Diamond once again will fight like a well-rounded more experienced MMA fighter. The difference here is that Radke is like a better striker than than Koze, but he's like less well versed in transitions and he's uh, worse as a pure wrestler uh, I think if Radke can get his like boxing game going, mix up the takedown attempts, he has a path to victory for sure. But he has never fought like a pure wrestling game plan in the past, and I, the thing is that the lack of defense, I think especially, I feel will expose him to getting tacked on the feet. I think Blood Diamond scared his f- uh, scores his first UFC victory here with a second on the second round with a second on the second round, am I an idiot or what, with a knockout on the second round, thank you. <laughs> Next one could be good as we move to a lightweight bout between Nasrat Hakparast and Landon Quinones. Hakparast uh, fighting out of TriStar, Hakparast is a boxer that is all about the 1-2, both on the lead and on the counter. Uh, that's something that drew comparisons to his former Kings MMA teammate Kelvin Gastelum back in the day. Also, they look kind of similar physically. <laughs> um, he's less aggressive nowadays under TriStar. Uh, Hackparas looks to move on the outside, keeping his opponent uh, at hard fighting distance, looking to pot chop with the jab to set up traps with his footwork. His hand speed and rhythm allow him to do a lot with his minimal toolset. Uh, Overhand hook, hooks, high kicks and body kicks uh, here and there offer variety and can surprise. The thing with Hakparas is that he really needs the initiative to make his game work, as he, we've seen him like gets frustrated with feints, movement, and long-range weapons a number of times. And despite despite the flexibility of his one-two game, his limitations start to show when he's reacting to his opponent. And lastly, his defensive re- wrestling has been solid, but his grappling seems lacking, and it hasn't been tested much in his career. Opposing him. We have Landon Quiñones, a stocky southpaw that complements his 1-2 open stance game with a steady diet of kicks, including inside leg kicks. Uh, He does most of his best work leading, trying to find angles and putting meaningful combinations together and when he gets going, attacking all three levels with variety and being a capable puncher with both hands. Uh, He will use clinches defensively and to eat time and will shoot for the legs against the cage if he feels like a takedown is there. He's decently athletic and strong, seems to be well-conditioned for fights uh, going the distance. The X factor in this fight is that both guys are Salpa. Pao. Quinones had a win uh, for the Titan FC against Salpa Pao in Reinaldo Reynald- Acevedo last year, while Hackpara suffered his only KO loss to a fellow Salpa in Drew Dover in the UFC. Obviously, the level of opposition is very different, but I still think Quinones has a better game to fight Sao as he's a good leg kicker and has more variety and roundness to his game, even considering considering that, I gotta go with the safe bet in Hackparas here. Uh, with his speed and power edge, he manages to do a lot with his one-two and has consistently faced a higher level of opposition. I wouldn't be too surprised to see Quinones win this one because he's solid, he's well put together. But uh, I gotta go with the tested product here. I'm picking Hackparas to win a decision. And we stay at lightweight for the next one. This one is Jamie Mularky versus John McDessie, interesting fight. Mullarkey, long and awkward, uh, he likes to work at long range, looking for long straight punches and leg kicks. He likes to have big step up leg kicks with feints. He moves his head a lot on the outside looking to weave his way into range to land combinations and bail out and will also look to weave or slip off his shots, showing proactive defense His movement can take a deep when he's put on the defensive. Uh, He's especially vulnerable to same-time counters if he happens to to be timed. Uh, He's very aggressive in the clinch with big elbows and knees, works the body well, and that complements his long straight shots to the mixed section at long range too. He's conditioned and tough, but he has been hurt but has shown good recovery. Last knockout notwithstanding. Uh, He usually gets better as the fights go on, uh, he's also a good opportunistic grappler with the scrambling and wrestling skills but doesn't rely too much on that to win fights. On the other hand we have McDesi. an undersized bo- an undersized boxer with a Taekwondo background. Magdesi has been a staple for the lightweight division for almost 13 years now and this will be his 20th fight. Uh, physically past his prime, Magdesi is still a crafty striker Who knows how to operate with his jab against a taller opponent. He likes to keep jamming distance, always being ready to slip into counters or slide back to come back with his own combinations, and he uses leg kicks and side kicks well to break the rhythm and remain unpredictable. Historically, McDessie has struggled with fighters that can maintain a longer distance than from which he can effectively operate, Uh, be with effective in and out movement, or a superior athlete, someone with an effective long-range kicking game, and also someone that can clinch with him when he tries to close in recklessly. Despite his lack of size relative to the division, he has been a solid defensive wrestler. Uh, Magdesi probably a bit too past it for this level of opposition, but I think this still looks to be a fun fight. Mularkey, despite having a lot of long-range tools, is not the quickest, and he finds himself exchanging in the pocket quite a lot, and that will give Magdesi chances to get going with his combinations counters, Mularky's job here will be to deny the Canadian's jab using his own strike shots and kicking, um, maybe using the kicking more than he's used to lately, and use his st- a strong clinch game and size against a smaller fighter, especially when McDesi tries to get close. McDesi, for his part, uh, needs to pressure here, get on the inside, and try to time uh, Mularki when he's most vulnerable during entries and exits, that's when he Hands with his chin up in the air, he's not moving his head. That those are the times that you can find him. Uh, this one's probably a good one, uh, but I think Mularky has tools to compete at uh, Magnesi's preferred ranges. And when the size and the pace I think are likely to wear on the 38 year old, my pick is Mularky by decision. The next one is very exciting. We have a Uh, featherweight bout between Jack Jenkins, the local here, against Chepe Mariscal. So Jenkins, uh, he likes to walk his opponent down behind feints and big single shots, mostly playing the changeup of the jab and the leg kick, and he does that until he gets the opponent covering it up, then he puts good combinations together attacking all three levels particularly dangerous with the left hook to the body and the leg kicks that I already mentioned, but now in the context of combinations, of course. Uh, he switches to Sao to add variety and has uh, decent fundamentals and a few tricks from Sao Paulo too. Uh, the thing with Jenkins is that he's a lot better moving forwards. On the back foot, he can pop a decent jab to freeze opponents and circle, but he tends to retreat in straight lines. Uh, body is from collar ties complement his attrition game very well. He has solid takedown defense and good react takedowns of his own. He has a quick level change and he's solid from top position, landing steady ground and pound, has good passes, solid at maintaining mount, but he can get sketchy during transitions to dominant positions. You know, when moving, when moving from half guard to either like side mount or mount, he can be surprised there and lose position. Opposite to him, we have Mariscal. Uh, he's well-rounded and athletic, a bit undersized, uh, he fights out of elevation team. Mariscal has enough off-beat quality to his striking, like in the good way. He's mostly looking to for like immediate setups with feint and throwaways, looking for big shots in the form of loopy punches, snappy kicks. He plays well off the threat of his strikes, and he also pairs uh, his weapons accordingly. Uh, the thing with Mariscal is that he gets a bit too much into brawls, but he's surprisingly solid defensively he will still get hit on the basis uh, on the basis that uh, he engaged like way too much. He's there to be hit. Uh, He spars a lot with like just engaging and those are another like solid defensive fighter that gets hit a lot just because of the amount that he engages. Mariscal is a solid clinch fighter, uh, solid wrestler and a grappler too. He shines in transitions. Uh, He's good at finding big shots during breaks. Shiny defensive clinches and takedown down attempts. Uh, throws and trips from the clinch are something to keep an eye on with Mariscal. He's very crafty there. I'm not sure if he has a... In topology, it says that he has a judo background. Um, probably because the foot sweeps and hip toss are brilliant by this guy. Uh, the cardio is stellar and he's also very tough. Uh, the biggest problem with Mariscal is that he, lack, he lacks the tools to control the pace of a fight and he has trouble taking over fights uh, with his best qualities, he seems very content to fight whatever the opponent wants. This is a very interesting fight. Both guys seem pretty well matched up, similar in size, both the same age. Uh, Mariscal coming with a slight edge in experience. Both being athletic and well rounded as well, uh, Mariscal wrestling and ability to find takedowns in transitions might come in handy. Uh, Jenkins is solid defending takedowns and physically imposing, but his takedown defense has not been has not been impenetrable in the past. Despite how hard uh, the fight is to read overall, I think I gotta side with Jenkins here. Um, Jenkins just has like a more solid and straightforward process, I think that's the thing that set them the two apart. Uh, As I said, Mariscal very into vibing into fights, like taking whatever comes, and Jenkins knows... uh, Jenkins also falls a little bit in the traps of, like, being well-rounded, looking for takedowns sometimes uh, in in a bit, like, not optimum, uh, with not optimum timing, but I think Jenkins has a better idea of what he wants to do and how he wins fights, and I think that's a very good quality to have. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting this fight to be very good, but the pick is Jenkins by decision. And with that, we move to the last fight of the prelims. Carlos Ulberg fights down Jung in a light heavyweight bout. Olberg, another city kickboxing product, and another one that has a pro kickboxing experience, by the way. Ulberg uh, fights with a long-bladed stance. He faints and sets up spot shots based on the reactions that he he's getting off the feints. He has a good long jab from the standard leaf hand. Uh, he can cut off the cage with strikes. He has good timing, especially counters. Uh, his best counters are when chore fighters have are forced to like close the distance that he's imposing, especially the check hook, uh, but also the right hands and uh, can counter with leg kicks as well. Uh, the trouble with the problem with Olberg is that the chin up in the air mostly during exchanges. Uh, he does a decent job of hiding behind his uh, shoulder after the left hook, but during prolonged combinations the shield stays up in the air. Uh, his defense can't fall apart under pressure. He relies too much like on a space and backing up as defense, but I think Olberg still has a good semblance of cage craft, and he will look to regain center of the cage when pressured. Um, for the most time, he usually scares people off with counters, so not as easy to, to pressure. Down Jung the Korean, uh, he's mostly a boxer. He's long and looks to establish the jab to set up his dangerous right hand. He has a laser straight right hand. Uh, but he also can like throw the overhand or, or an uppercut. So watch out for the right hand of Down Jung, He's dangerous. He's comfortable playing his game against like both orthodox and southpaw fighters. That's something that caught my eye watching tape. Is that he he's fine, and he plays the same game. That's always encouraging when a fighter doesn't doesn't transform completely when fighting an open stance matchup. And over here, also an orthodox, but you know he can switch. Uh, Down junk faints uh, has feints and kicks to run up his game. Uh, he he boasts decent athleticism. His defense mostly relies like on his leg and the distance management and he can draw counters to come back with his pull counter, that's another like dangerous weapon that he has but not a lot in the way of like head movements or uh, uh, an active high guard. From up close he can attack with sharp elbows and he has a solid clinch game. Uh, his go-to takedown is the outside tree from over He has solid top control and passes and attacks with steady ground and pound with dangerous elbows when he finds himself in top position. Uh, the lack of head movement has been his like biggest weakness, uh, because he gets into exchanges looking for his right hands too much and leaves himself exposed, especially especially because he he just leaves the the, the up in the air as well. So Jung has some tools to make this interesting. Uh, he is lengthy, so he isn't as likely as to close distance recklessly as some other Orberg f- former opponents. Uh, he maintains balance with his right hand, so he, it's not like he is going to shift uh, like, like an idiot into over like, check left hook. Uh, he also might test Albrecht's grappling if he gets uh, a takedown from the clinch, especially that trip from overrunners. From Pretty solid. That said, I feel jog doesn't bring enough pressure. Especially in the way of footwork to make Over fall apart. Like, yeah, he might stay on Over's face, but but he won't really push him to the fence and keep him there. And the other thing is that Young gets a lot into prolonged exchanges, as I already said. And there, I I gotta trust Over with more power, more speed, better technique, and especially the the left hook versus the right hand in the pocket. I'm I'm gonna I I gotta side with the left hook more most of the time. This is a winnable fight for Reader, uh, closer than I initially thought. I thought uh, the UFC was doing over a solid. I-, I think they think they are doing that uh, and I'm expecting like Olberg to win. But I thought this was like a complete gimme. And Down Junk presents some interesting challenges to, f- to the Australian. Either way, I'm picking Olberg by knockout on the first round. Before moving into the main card, I want to thank our sponsor Marshall. X is a combat sport brand dedicated to supporting the jiu-jitsu community. Their goal is to create a fun training environment with unique and exciting designs and promote the gym culture we all love. X Martial offers a range of products including rash guards, shorts, spats, geese, streetwear and training equipment. Use code TheFightSite to get a 10% discount on your order now. And for the best deals and discounts, sign up to their mailing list and follow their socials at Xmarshall So, official. At xmarshallofficial, <laughs> Get it right. <laughs> So, thank you so much, X Marshall, for sponsoring us. And let's move on with the main card. Opening up the main card, we have a light heavyweight bout, another one. This one is Tyson Pedro versus the pleasure man, Anton Turcali. Pedro, the Australian here, the local, a long, big, and athletic. He finds behind long weapons, strong leg kicks, and a snap kick to the body. He manages distance well. A powerful puncher, but not much. Of a boxer, really, uh, mostly single shots. Uh, usually decides what exchanges happen through his distance management and long range tools. He's a strong grappler from top position with decent posture and damaging round and pound, and has good control from the back take. Uh, uses wrist control well. Uh, has a wrist rise and that kind of stuff. But his wrestling game mostly consists of tricks inside the clinch. He's not a very solid fundamental wrestler. Uh, he can hit decent, decent counters. In the first layer of an exchange, but he's extremely reliant on distance and clinches for his defense. He also likes having uh, a long-range neutral space fight because he's neither expe- exceptionally good at pressuring or moving on the outside. So mostly like just moving here and there. No, no one really pressuring. He doesn't like to like move forwards a lot. Doesn't like to like circle on the outside. To be honest. On the other hand, we have Turkali. Uh, long. Uh, on the feet on the feed mostly fights with single shots or tries to close distance with blitzes, alternating right and left hands. Not too much of on the way of defense really, but his blitzes do allow him to get to the clinch and the clinch is his A-game. Uh, he's gr- a grindy and relentless wrestler in the clinch. Not very physically imposing but he will try to drag his man by any means necessary and he's decent at getting to the back body lock. Uh, from there he can work like reefs, mad returns, that kind of stuff. In the ground he mostly looks for rise and back takes, and will attack with steady if not big round and pound. Uh, Turcali gets tired as fight goes on, but he's like mentally strong, I feel like uh, he keeps doing his game while he's started. that's a good quality that he has. And the thing with Turkali is that he's incredibly tough and his chin seems made out of granite so far. Other than being long, Turcali is like exactly the kind of fighter that Pedro likes to fight. He will, he will most likely get to control the range and the pace of the fight. Turcali can push a pace and he's aggressive and he should take the, those kind of risks of shifting and being aggressive, get on Pedro's face if he wants to win here. And I say risk because that's obviously dangerous against a big hitter like that so Pedro. But reality is that even when he gets to do his stuff, he's not that dominant of a grappler. It's not like Turcali gets you to the ground, insta-submission, hasn't been like that in the UFC. And Pedro has shown to be a solid grappler himself and more athletic than Turcali to boot. Uh, Unless Turcali aggression leads him to, like, tire Pedro, I think the Australian winning by knockout or decision are, like like the most likely scenarios, especially with the, the sloppy that Turkali entries are when he's closing distance. I'm choosing Pedro by knockout on the second round. We move up one division for the big guys. It's heavyweight. It's Justin Tafa versus Austin Lane. Tafa, salpockey boxer on the stocky side for the division, but he can fight like decently long, especially like using the salpout to his advantage there. He stands mostly flat-footed but he's deceptively agile. Uh, Huge power in both the left hand and the left kick, Uh, he's good at head kicks and can also counter with a wide right hook. Uh, Tafa makes good reads but can become predictable during long fights I feel. Uh, The cardio seems at least okay and his grappling has been barely tested in his short MMA career but he seems to have at least like a baseline ability to the Fate Take and scramble and all of that is complemented by his athleticism. On the other hand, we have Lane, athletic and long former NFL player. He's agile and quick on the feet. He looks to put combinations together using his long reach, but he will often break stance trying to close the distance with sloppy shifts. Not much in the way of defense. He can hide behind his shoulders here and there, but mostly hangs his chin up on the air. Uh, not much of a counter game, but he's quick and powerful and throws back in the pocket, so he can always, like, get a knockout that way. Uh, Take down defense and the ability to get back up are lacking, but has shown, like, competent BJJ, I would say. I think he trains out of a 10 planets or something. Uh, Has shown good ability to reverse during transitions when he's on the ground. Uh, Despite having, like, more fights than Tafa, having a decent amount of fights, like 14 or something, uh, he looks very green, Lane does. Uh, This one really a fight between like two not very experienced or tested athletic heavyweights and they will most likely fight on the feet. Uh, Lane might look for a takedown, but other than that it really comes to like who lands the big shot first. Uh, Lane has like a big length advantage, but Tafa I think is the more polished striker. Could be anyone's fight really, but I'm fuck it I'm going Tafa by knockout on the first round. And from heavyweights we move down to flyweights. It's Manuel Cap fighting Felipe dos Santos. Cap, an athletic and well-rounded extreme couture product. Uh, he has versatility to his movement and his actions, he has good footwork, he has good eyes, uh, he faints a lot, and he has like good athleticism and, th- and all of that allows him to be like effective on the back foot, on neutral space, or pressure and he can adjust his tools accordingly to what he's doing. Uh, be it walking forwards or sitting back he does most of his best uh, work on the counter looking to slip off his jab and come back with combinations. He's a capable combination puncher, has power in both hands and can also find spot for heavy leg kicks and a tricky flying knee that he tends to feign a lot during fights. The biggest problem for Cap is the, the ease in which which he allows his opponent to decide the directionality and the pace of a fight. That means that he can have trouble taking over or putting stamp on performances, especially when he's not like vastly superior, like as an athlete or tactically. Uh, Cap is a decent grappler and wrestler, has seen some sketchy moments defending takedowns, but he's good and a patient scrambler and has a very interesting like Kimura game that allows him to like take the bag, get back to his feet and that kind of stuff. Opposite to him we have Felipe Dos Santos, and Dos Santos is like an emblematic shooter box Diego Lima fighter. He's long and big, and he's pathologically aggressive. He pushes a neck-breaking pace, looks to spear his opponent with long front kicks, straight punches, and looks to punctuate combinations with like wide hooks and roundhouse kicks. Um, High guard and minimal head movement serve as defense, but he mostly uses his his own offense to keep safe. Jumping kicks and knees offer variety and he also uses those to close the range. Inside the clinch, he favors collar ties, big knees inside there, and he uses his frame to his advantage well. Uh, Dos Santos is surprisingly good at shooting takedowns in open space, despite like his height and his tall stance that he fights out of. Uh, but he's vulnerable himself to, to being taken down on open space, especially when he's moving forwards looking to strike. Uh from from the guard. He looks to use butterfly hooks and elbows to generate space space, push on the head, look to stand up. The determination and cardio have been like really tested and he has passed those those tests. Uh, the pace of Dos Santos makes this fight very interesting. Uh, Cap is known to fight like his opponent fight, as I already said, something that that he has like in common, like to with Cheven Mariscal that we talked earlier about. But but man, uh, Cape will probably look to, to assume like the role of the matador here, trying to intercept Dos Santos with strikes, frustrate him with his footwork. But that will be easier said than done because the Brazilian has the tools on every range to make like make him work and won't give him any room to breathe. To be honest, I expect Dos Santos to go crazy here. Uh, Cape on his part uh, needs to take advantage of the physicality uh, the good combination punching and try to exploit like the defense of dos Santos that is not very layered and Cap is a big puncher, he's powerful. he maybe can can find the Brazilian. I, I think what tips the scale for me uh, is the versatility and the power of cap really. Uh, dos Santos has not faced an athlete like this uh, with this kind of power with someone that's with the skills to fight everywhere. I think the closest that he's seen was his last opponent, Hugo Paiva, insane fight. I recommend to watch that. And they have like a competitive crazy affair. But I think Cap is like a step above uh, of Paiva in that fight, especially with the quality, the power. I think if this one is losable for Cap. But I'm picking him to win a decision. Manel Cap by decision is the final pick. And with that, we're already on the main event. We're back to heavyweights but this one is decent. Uh, We have a bout between ranked fighters, Tai Tuivasa, the local, uh, he's fighting Alexander Volkov, so let's start with Tuivasa. Stalky and deceivingly athletic, quick striker, he mostly looks establish range and inflict damage with big and quick leg kicks and looks to set up big hooks and overhands, um, uh, feinting and entering like with the weaves and, and shifts as well sometimes. He had close distance quickly and he's very dangerous inside the pocket with, with big power and good eyes. Uh, Trivasa is strong in the clinch, especially if he gets like another hook and the other, and on the other side he can like frame, he can land elbows or look for shots over the top. Uh, something to look out for against a very tall opponent in of here. The defensive wrestling has been all right, but he depends a lot on being like a good athlete to defend takedowns. Uh, his grappling game has shown to be not very good so far. Not sure if he has improved that and I'm not sure if we're gonna see that tested in this one, but yeah, that's a critique for Trivasa, a big one. Uh, despite uh, Trivasa ability to close distance, he can be stuck on long range against fighters that have actual like r- long-range weapons, and his lack of an actual consistent jab hurts him when trying to establish his leg kicks. Uh, Trivasa uh, jabs here and there. But he's not like a jabber and he would benefit benefit a lot, especially setting up leg kicks with the jab. On the other hand, we have Volko, a very long and sturdy kickboxer, heavy low calf kicks and one twos uh, impose the range mostly. He also has like a punishing front kick to the gut. Uh, He has like decent footwork. He keeps like a good position relative to his opponents. Uh, He pairs the left hook well with the straight right hand. He can switch stances and fight like almost the same game when he switches stances. Volkov has like strong hips and competent head positioning. And that coupled with like his height and his strength make uh, the task of controlling him inside the clinch uh, a a hard one. The takedown defense is solid but not perfect. But he works hard to work his way up to his feet. Uh, The cardio for Volkov, I would say, is above average for heavyweight. And he maintains a steady volume of strikes he can also, like, up the intensity looking for finishes uh, to her opponents without losing the handle of his gas tank. So he's, like, very responsible and methodical when going for the finish here. Uh, head movement has been a problem for Volkov. Uh Despite his good distance management, he can be surprised, both from the outside, especially because he's another guy that has the shin, like, right up in the air. And he's... And he's hands remains pretty low, because he likes to feint a lot with the hands, uh, f- using floating jab here and there, So, and hand fight, so yeah. This fight comes down to Trivasa's ability to close the distance, I expect him to be stuck for long periods on the outside, uh, because Volkov is huge, uh, has a jab, the front kick, the leg kicks, all will make it hard to close on him. Uh, but Trivasa has a few attributes that make this fight winnable for him. Uh, first he's one of the few in the divisions who can actually exchange low kicks with Volkov, a lot of guys just lose that exchange, and we've seen like people that can exchange low kicks with Volkov are a lot more successful, look at the gunfight for example, but Tuivasa needs to be careful of not getting caught with a straight right when he fires the kicks because Volkov has the range for Tuivasa's. Tuivasa is not very tall but also has like short legs, so he needs to be kind of close, and Volkov is a long boy, so be careful with that. Uh, Tvivasa also has like leaping hooks and overhands, and that are exactly what has caught Volkov in the past. I don't expect Tivasa to have the same success in the clinch that he have with Struve. Uh, he won't basically want that fight there. But Volkov is like a lot stronger than Stefan Struve and he's harder to keep flat against the cage. Um, but Tai should still use clinches in this one, especially to look like for big strikes during the breaks. Volkov on his part just need to play like his usual game, attack the legs, put the straight shots together, and, and maybe go for more body attacks than he usually does, because Trivasa has been like susceptible to body shots in the past. I think this one is a winnable fight for both, and, and Tai might be the more dangerous of the two, really, but... Uh, to me, Volkov has been too solid and consistent as of late, like just losing to the elite of the elite. Uh, I got to pick Volkov by decision on this one. And with that, we are already on the main event is for the middleweight championship. Israel Adesanya defense against Sean Strickland. Um, let's I won't describe both fighters. Let's say like, what can Strickland do? Because a lot of people are expecting this to be like a huge mismatch. And it kinda is, kinda is. Uh, so what can Sean Strickland do to win this fight? I think Strickland really needs to go into the fire, stay on his face. Uh, Strickland's pressuring footwork is not very great, he tends to follow people a lot, but he does have tools to stay on the face of his opponents, especially tracking them with the jab, uh, punishing with kicks here and there, uh, being deceptively long with the one-two. Uh, he chooses his he he does a lot of like sloppy entries with uh, crossing his feet, but he's very good at choosing when to do those. So if he wants to have any chance of winning here, he needs to play the cards early. He needs to be very aggressive off the off the bat. Uh, that probably will get him hurt. the is very very sharp. We know that is a very good striker, superior to Strickland, but Strickland cannot have like a slow kickboxing fight with Asanya. He needs to. Go aggressive immediately. The leg kicks are going to be a problem for sure. Uh, so s- more reason to Strickland to move forwards at all times. And if we're honest, it's not that hard to push easy against the cage. Like Vettori had a lot of success doing that. Poatan had a lot of success doing that. Uh, Strickland will probably not be able to keep Sanja pinned against the cage with his boxing. But making him circle and keeping him like past the, the octagon line will do enough for him, I think. The jab of Strickland is to be on point, even if Adesanya, who also has a good jab uh, and is stronger, by the way, even if Adesanya is out jabbing him, he needs to keep the pace up, even as the risk of tiring himself, he cannot fight a slow fight I already already said. like, Strickland is not winning a slow kickboxing match and probably not winning a banger either, but he has way better chances on, on a banger, really. The other thing is Strickland needs to grab any clinches he can and just make it dirty. Like, mm-hmm. do not focus on keeping on keeping Adesanya pinned against the defense. Just use every opportunity to land damage, even if they are like s- small hammer fists. Everything everything works in this uh, in this fight. Uh, He needs to be like chipping away, chipping away, looking, and also like Strickland is good at at landing like long punches on the breaks. He needs to look for those, but he needs to generate the clinches to get the breaks. Uh, If takedowns present themselves, Strickland should take them. Strickland is a good grappler, we've seen that in the past, he's a good wrestler too, but I don't think he should be like put on the wrestling singlet in the fight and push like for. A two minutes for a takedown, I don't. I don't think that that will just get him tired. Uh, he just need to like try the takedown, no break. Try to strike on the break. He need to take those kind of bri- of risk. Um, because yeah, he he need uh, he needs to he needs to go for it. Uh, I don't think it's completely unwinnable. He's a very. Uh, I feel like Sanja is a very bad matchup for Strickland. But I don't think it's completely unwinnable. I think this, there's a few, a few, a few things that make this one interesting. Uh Other than a freak knockout, uh the avenues for Strickland are very small. But, but Strickland winning wouldn't be the craziest thing ever. To be honest, like we've seen biggest upsets, I think. Uh, especially Strickland, if the fight starts getting ugly, they have a few exchanges where he can hurt a little bit. Adesanya, Strickland can Take over fights. He can do that. He can do that. And if he hurts like easy super bad, they go to the ground. Strickland is a good grappler. Uh, probably probably like he's not as imposing physically as betori But I would I would trust Strickland to grapple better than Batori. you can tell fought like super nervous against uh Alessania in the rematch. Um he fucked up. And not that he, not that it wasn't like a very hard fight for Vettori. I don't think he he would have win if he fought the, the idea fight. But he did not fight the idea fight. He was getting over in his head. I don't think I think Strickland will fight. If he comes with the with the right ideas into the matchup, he will fight the right matchup. Um, Strickland fighting the right fight here does not guarantee a win. As I said, the matchup is not in his favor at all. Asanya very dangerous, a longer, bigger puncher. Cleaner technically, but Strickland, Strickland, has good eyes in the pocket. Uh, he can surprise. He has decent pop. Like if the fight starts getting ugly, he could catch Sanja with something. So yeah, I mean it would be it, it would be very cool to see not because I like Strickland but because it's interesting to see when fighters make the what seems almost impossible make it work. But I think yeah, I said the the avenues are small but. They are there. It's not completely unwinnable. I would not put like a minus two thousand on Asanya. To be honest, I think, I think this is a fight. Anything can happen. Stringland is a big dude. Uh like not not bigger than Asanya, but he's a middleweight-sized dude with pop in his hands with cardio. I don't know, man. uh the pick is obvious. By the way, Asanya by decision all the way, but just wanted to like detail what can Streetland do to make this a fight. And uh, that's the pay-per-view, guys, and uh, not a very good one, to be honest. I mean, we have a few things to mm. to highlight here. Uh, but yeah, let's do our, uh, like a recap, a recap of all the fights. Now, the opener, Josette versus Kiefer, uh, low level welterweight fight. Uh, potential for action is pretty decent. i say it uh, could be a good fight. Uh, Not not expecting big things for either of these guys. Then we have Young versus Miranda. Uh, Potential for excitement, uh, pretty high here too, to be honest. This one could be a good one. Uh, Hoping Young wins here. I think he's a solid fighter. Uh, But interesting because Miranda will be pushing for takedowns and that's not something that we see all the time. Blood Diamond versus Radke should be exciting. Uh, potential for excitement, decent. Uh, unless like, Radke really goes for the wrestling and can take over the fight like that. Other than that, should be, should be a scrap. Hack Paris versus Landon Quinones. This one is one that I recommend for an action standpoint. Um, yeah, because both Southpaws and similar Southpaws, at that point, Quinones has like more versatility, but Hackparas maybe the better athlete and also more experience against high-level position. But I expect these guys to have like an action-packed fight. Uh, this one is like very likely to be a good watch. Mularki versus Magdesi also probably is going to be a very a good watch. I was expecting Mularki to take over, but Magdesi is not going to give him the win for free. Uh, Mularky is also always in exciting fights and. And the flaws of Malarkey are usually what makes the fight exciting, because he gets so many exchanges, he gets robbed, he recovers, so yeah, it could be a good one. Even though MacDessi is not a huge puncher, he still has pop, so watch out for that. Jenkins versus Mariscal, uh, the best or second best of the, of the night when it comes to excitement. This one is very, very good, and I ex- I'm expecting actual things to, for the winner here. Uh, picking Jenkins as I already said, but Mariscal also I'm high on him. This one is a very good fight and this one is going to be fun, uh, almost guaranteed. Ulberg uh, versus Daung Jung could be okay, watchable. Ulberg usually not in bad fights, to be honest. Uh, so yeah, I mean, no, not the worst. Pedro versus Turcali, this one has a big chance of sucking ass, like, being very, very bad. Uh, The best case scenario is, like, Pedro gets, like, a knockout super quick because this one is not going to be, like, pretty to watch. It's not going to have, like, any layered exchanges. Uh, Could be be exciting if, like, Turkali gets a big takedown and Pedro is, like, on a sketchy position. Like, the potential for excitement is not unexistent. It's just that the potential for being a shit fight is very high could be, and also like some shit fights are entertaining, so you never know, but this one, uh, this one like... Uh, Tafa versus Lane also has the potential to be like a banger or has the potential to be like super bad just because heavyweight and like inexperienced heavyweights and that, I mean Tafa has gone to the decision a few times and it were... they were good fights, so maybe but also there's also always the chance that, that Lane decides to go for takedowns or this one and it starts being boring, I don't know. Cap versus Felipe Dos Santos, this one is action guaranteed. The, the fight of the night is either this one, this one or or the Mariscal Jenkins fight, but both are super... Ex- I'm looking forward very much to both fights, uh, sadly Sadly, Cap not fighting Kaikara France, that was like a ranked fighter, but Felipe dos Santos is like, for from an action uh, perspective, a very good replacement. Then we have Trivasa volkov and for heavyweight, to be honest, this one should be watchable. Uh, volkov, uh, Trivasa never in a boring fight. And Volkov, if you make him fight, he's going to fight, he's going to bank. So, yeah, this one probably going to be okay. And it's relevant for the division as well, so not complaining about that one. And the main event. Uh, I really doubt it's going to be a bad fight, to be honest. Like unless like Strickland gets very shy, and I I think it's not impossible. If Strickland gets like into that cannoneer fight, cannoneer fight uh, mindset, uh, maybe this could be boring. But I'm not I'm not expecting that. So yeah, I mean, no f- no not one fight that is actually terrible on this pay per view, but also like the two best fights are not like super super relevant to the division. They don't involve like ranked fighters. Uh, I'm expecting uh, Jenkins to be ranked at one moment. Chepe, maybe two, hopefully. And then Cap is obviously a good level fighter. Uh, Dos Santos maybe has a a future at flyweight. Trivas and is okay. It's like a one heavyweight fight that I won't complain too much. I think that's perfectly fine. And the main event is it's not terrible. I mean, I, I would just switch. this card was more... The card, the card could be better. This one would be a solid like finite. but it's not like pay-per-view level like would you have... Okay, it's always me complaining about uh, the light heavyweights, but come on, dude, like the Pedro Tour qualified that. There was no need. There was no need for that, fam. There was no need. and uh, Yeah, that's the pay-per-view. Uh, thank you guys for listening, hope you guys enjoyed the podcast and I want to thank you everyone that has been supporting me on ko I'm doing uh, commissions, I'm doing short video analysis uh, only for 25 bucks, you can go to my Coffee support me there. If you want to support the fight site as an ongoing project, you can always donate to us on Patreon, get access to a lot of uh, exclusive content or Discord server, we have a huge backlog of content. Visit the fight site. We have a new article there. Uh, I'll be posting on the YouTube channel next week. Obviously, all the commissions are going to go to YouTube. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, and both to those of you that donated uh, on Coffee and did not specify a fight, uh, I understand some of you maybe just want to donate to me. I'm, I'm very thankful for that, but please just tell me to make a video. Uh, I don't want to feel bad. I'm I don't want to beg for money. I just want to offer something back to this community that allows me to do this that I love. Uh, I complain a lot about my mixed martial arts, but I I really am very a very passionate fan of the sport, of combat sports in general. And I'm very thankful that you guys uh, support me in doing this and I hope you guys enjoy the content. So yeah, I mean, that's it. Uh, visit my coffee if you're interested in a personalized video about any fight that you want. Uh, visit Patreon if you want to support the fight site as an ongoing project and get access to a lot of good material that is exclusive to patrons. Follow me on Twitter, all that stuff. Thank you so much, guys, and I watch you guys on the next one. I see you guys on the next one. I always mess that up. Bye.